Hello there, friend. Welcome back to the Cash Confidence Stylist Podcast. So before we get into this episode, I got a question for you. How often do you ask yourself, where the hell is my money going? Okay, look, a lot of us, that runs in a constant loop in our mind. And it's time to take your first step towards financial empowerment. So I wanted to give you a free resource that is going to help you do just that. I wanna give you Assess Your Situation, which is the first module in my course, as well as your guide to figuring out where the fuck your money is actually going. Sorry if you have kids in the car. So this is gonna be a free guide that I've created to help you break the loops, providing you with tools to assess your current financial situation. You don't even have to break out the calculator and to help you gain awareness about what you actually need to start making those money moves where it truly matters. So go ahead and scroll all the way down to the bottom of the show notes and snag it. The link is down there um, and enjoy this episode. Let me know how assessing your situation goes. Thanks friends. This is Misty Jane, and you're listening to Backroom Beauty Talks, a real, raw, and unedited podcast that helps uplift the hair industry one stylist at a time. Hello there, friends. All right, here's the deal. This is the last episode of season two. I am switching things up a little bit. I'm going to get a little realer, a little rawer a little more into these conversations, bringing on some people um, outside of the industry as well. And um, I'm going to take a little break and give you some time to catch up on all the old episodes. Backroom Beauty Talks is not going anywhere. I promise you this. This is one of my favorite things to do. I absolutely love getting on here and recording conversations with people. I just want to go a little bit deeper. You know, Backroom Beauty Talks isn't necessarily about what's happening behind the chair. It's really about what is happening in the back room, what kind of conversations we're having, um, you know, about life and about who we are and all of that. And I just want to bring that out a little bit more. So... This will be the last episode for season two, but it is going to be a good one. Today I am talking with Jody Brown. She is the host of Hairstylist Rising. She also teaches social media and branding. Um, she is a coach. She has um, a social media managing agency, if I'm saying that right. Um, but she really is awesome. And like I said, I so much enjoyed chatting with her. There's so many good tidbits in here. If you're listening to this in your car, you definitely want to listen to it again with a notepad. Um, so please enjoy. Again, if you like it, screenshot it, share it on Instagram. Don't forget to tag me. Don't forget to tag It's Jody Brown. And please leave a review. It would be so appreciated. The more reviews that I get, the more people see the podcast, and um, the more smiles it puts on my face. <laughs> oh, now I'm just being corny. All right. Please enjoy. Hi, Jody. Hi, Misty. How's it going? Good. How you doing? Good. I'm super excited to be here. Thank you for having me. Of course. I, well, after recording on your podcast, I was like, really, I was like, well, now we have to record on this one because it's like... <laughs> Such good conversation. And I feel like you're one of those people that we talk like an hour after we should have recorded that as well. (laughs) So true. (laughs) So tell everyone listening who you are and what you do. So I am Jody Brown. I am a Instagram and marketing business coach for hairstylists. So um, I do both group coaching. I have a program called Beauty Brand Bootcamp as well as one-on-one. And I'm also a podcast host. Awesome. Rising stylist, correct? 
hairstylist rising. Close, That's, I keep, I keep doing that. <laughs> so awesome. So, okay. Let's just, I want to talk about branding. I want to talk about Instagram because, you know, I, I feel like I learned really what branding meant. Like, I don't know, two years ago, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, because I just thought it was like a logo and pretty colors. Totally. And I think that's what a lot of people think initially, right? Like until you really start diving into, um, the, you know, business education and marketing education side of the beauty business, I think a lot of people assume that branding doesn't apply to them. Like it's only for big corporations and it's only for, you know, um, like these big companies that need to like get a logo like Nike or any of those kinds of things. And like Jeff Bezos, love him or hate him, I think said it best. And a brand is what people say about you when you're not in the room. Yeah. And you know, I think that essentially what it comes down to is it's like your reputation um, and, you know, how people perceive you and what you bring to the world. Yeah. You know, what's crazy is like, I never really thought about marketing. Like I never Mm -hmm. thought about it before, you know, I mean, marketing to me was passing out business cards, like, you know, when I first started in the hair industry. And Mm -hmm. so when I like finally like dived in and got like my website and really understood, like did the whole, like, who my ideal client is and all these things. I started reading books about marketing and there was like shit I didn't even think about. Right. Like, Mm -hmm. like you don't even need to see the word Starbucks. You just know that that's a Starbucks, like just by the logo or like Q-tips. Like I read this thing and it was talking about how, um, when you go and buy a stick with cotton balls on the end, what are you buying? You're buying a fucking Q-tip. Yeah. But a Q-tip is a brand. Yep. Like it's, there's a million other ones, but we all call them all Q-tips. That's it's so like, true. It's crazy. It's brilliant, brilliant branding. So the stylist who's listening to this, who is just an independent stylist, mm-hmm. like, are they thinking, well, I don't need that. Like, I don't need somebody to look at my business and go, well, that's, you know, her. like, but they do need that. Right. Well, whether or not they do it intentionally, it's happening. So that's the thing is like branding isn't optional. It's not something that you can opt out of. Um, You can opt out of having a say and you can opt out of being intentional about it, but whether or not you put forth, um, you know, a brand that you have put thought into, people will form an opinion one way or another. And if you don't kind of take, um, take initiative with it and, and the whole thing with branding is it can sound really intimidating and it doesn't have to be. So I just want to say like, it's not something that is going to, you know, you don't have to invest thousands and thousands of dollars to have professional branding done off the hop. There's tons of things that you can do. There's tons of resources out there that can help you start to like dig down. So, you know, like the way I approach branding with all of my clients and they're, 90% hairstylists, some other kinds of beauty pros, cosmetic injectors, like all that kind of stuff is we start with your values first, um, and your voice and then your visuals. So I think something that people don't think about when it comes to like your brand is that your brand voice is a huge part of it. So every caption you write on Instagram, every time you go live on video, every word of copy on your website, every email that you send, like all of that is a vote for or against the kind of brand that you want to create. 
Well, you're essentially showing your hopeful, hopefully a client who you are Mm -hmm. before they ever walk in the door, right? Absolutely. And the, the amazing difference and shift in your business when your clients build that no like, and trust factor before they step into your, into your salon is, is night and day. Like we've all had that nervy. I've heard so many, so many stylists say, I hate new clients. Like I hate getting new clients. It's so stressful, but a lot of the time it, it depends on how you get that client. If that person comes in, sits in your chair, they already have the utmost confidence in you because they've seen your work. They already have something to talk to you about because you have, you know, made the effort to connect with them prior to them sitting in your chair. Like it just makes everything so much easier and so much more seamless. And you're so right. It doesn't have to be complicated. I remember when I first kind of got on the internet space, like on in Instagram for hair and went out on my mm-hmm. own. It's like, I was so worried about like not being professional enough or like saying the wrong thing or, you know, how am I supposed to say this? And then like, once I figured out my like branding, it's like, oh my God, I can literally be myself. Totally. And that's what it comes down to, right? It's not about creating something artificial. It's about like, I think that your great branding is at the intersection of like your ideal client and then you, what you stand for and then the business that you want to create. So I think that that's kind of where that sweet spot is. Um, Because at the end of the day, most of the time we want to connect with people that we have things in common with, right? Right. Often our ideal client is some version of ourselves or we have something in common with them. So it's branding is really just the practice of taking those things that you're already kind of thinking about doing or trying to do and just getting really intentional with it so that you can be consistent because consistency is what builds trust with potential clients or, you know, whatever it is that you're trying to do in business. And when you say consistency, like, are you saying like consistently showing up or kind of consistently having a similar message or consistently being, you know, yourself online? Like what, what exactly would consistency mean? Cause I think a lot of times when people hear that, they're like, oh my God, I have to constantly, they hear constantly. I have to constantly mm-hmm. post. Right. You know, and I think that the thing with that is that so much of the advice online for, you know, businesses is targeted at digital businesses who are just trying to grow the numbers on their account. So when you're a small business, like if you're a hairstylist or, you know, um, makeup artist, any of those kinds of things, and you're targeting local clients, I would say that frequency of posting is a lot less important. So, you know, in a lot of, in all of my programs, I tell people like at the beginning, shoot for three times a week. And if you can do more than that consistently, that's great. Some people like to post five times a week. Some people like to, you know, they enjoy making videos, doing all that stuff. So that's great. But I would say it's better if you can post consistently, you know, three times a week and show up when you can and do it in a way that is quality over quantity that will grow your business just fine. So you don't have to constantly be on there. Um, I do think that consistency and messaging is important because in the online world, it's so, it's so crowded. And it used to be that people had to see something seven times to make a decision on it. Now it's more like 20 times. So the more consistent. Yeah. It's like, because that instant gratification era, right. That, that shiny object syndrome people, it's harder to get attention. So 
a lot of people worry about being cons- or repetitive. And the first thing I tell people is replace that repetitive word with consistent because you think you're saying it all the time. Most people have no idea that you're saying it at all, right? So this is something, I mean, I talked to one of my friends who is a social media manager. She has online courses and she was telling me that I was like, you know, girl, you need to start talking about your program more. And she's like, I feel like I talk about it all the time. And I follow her. I interact with all of her stuff. So it comes up pretty frequently for me. And I'm still like, I didn't even know it was open right now. So yes, <laughs> you know, and that's the same for hairstylists. They're so worried to talk about the fact that like, I'm taking clients, like I'm a hairstylist, all these things. And people probably just don't even know. <laughs> no idea. And, and if you think about it, like you think about how many people see your posts, like you can look, yeah. if you have a business account, especially you can look and see who has seen your posts. It's not that many people. And depending no. on when you post depends on who saw it. So you could say one thing and then say the exact same thing two days later and almost a completely different group of people is going to see it that didn't see the first one. Absolutely. And that's kind of why I think it's so important. Like part of my, you know, branding strategy with all my clients is coming up with a core content strategy. And basically what that is, is you have like your, your topics that you talk about. Um, and you know, they hit all different because you know, a lot of stylists think someone's going to follow me and then they're going to book an appointment. And that's generally not the case. People follow you and then they want to see, and then maybe even a year down the line, you'll post something. It will resonate so strongly that they finally take action. So I always think that your, you know, your strategy online needs to, it needs to hit them wherever they're at. So whether you're attracting new, you know, potential clients, whether you're connecting with them, forming that no like and trust factor, or you're, you know, posting educational content that's establishing you as not just an option, but the option, um, the expert in whatever it is that you're trying to do, then that's what's going to reinforce your brand. So consistency with your messaging is vital. Yeah. And like, what is the other thing? There was like a quote. Now I don't remember what it is, of course, but it's basically (laughs) like, as long as you're one step ahead of somebody, like you can teach somebody something. So like for a hairstylist, like think of how many times, you know, you've taught your client something, what you think is extremely simple, like maybe how to hold the blow dryer with your brush or something like that. But you tell them and it like blows their mind and completely changes their game. Like Mm -hmm. posting little things like that on Instagram, like it can be huge, like huge because they're sharing it with their friends. They're doing their hair differently. And even somebody who's Mm -hmm. not your client, like they could see that and then go, oh my God, like, let me try that. Why didn't my hairstylist ever teach me that? I want to go to this person because they taught me something on, you know, for free online that my stylist never, like it's crazy. And you just have to do it because like so many people, I don't know what to post. Well, what do your clients ask you about the most? Exactly. That's, that's what it comes down to. Right. And that's what having, you know, that's a really great tip. That's, and that's something that, um, if you're struggling for content, yeah. Think about who do you have in your chair? That's already your ideal client. Mm -hmm. What are they talking to you about? And it doesn't have to be about hair. It can even be about like, for whatever reason, I was always like the go-to person for my clients. And we'd always end up talking about whatever makeup I was using at the moment. Like, cause I'm just constantly love to try new products and cooking 
so those are kind of the two things. So when I was behind the chair, I would talk about that kind of stuff a ton in my stories because I'm like, okay, these are my ideal clients who are already there. And this is what we're talking about. So maybe that's something that I need to talk about a little bit on my Instagram to attract more like clients. And, you know, I, I got into the hair industry over 15 years ago. Now my mom is a stylist. So when I first got into this industry, like she was a salon owner since I was like born, basically, I think I was in the salon at two years old or two weeks old. Sorry. So I've been in this industry for a long time. And the idea of marketing, honestly, I didn't even think about until I came back from maternity leave, which was five and a half years ago now. So just if you haven't started thinking about it yet, it's not too late. It doesn't mean like, a lot of the time we see people who've been in the industry forever and we think that this happened overnight, that they got all the success. But a lot of the time, it's just when they started marketing and really diving into that. So, you know, I think that the idea of trying to just take that connection you already have with your ideal clients and start marketing yourself so that you're attracting those people on autopilot and it creates so much more freedom in your business when you're not worried to make changes because you're going to lose clients because you know that there's always more people coming in. And let's talk about the ideal client because I know a couple of my coaching clients, you know, they are figuring that out. Yep. Like they're figuring out like, well, what does that mean exactly? And I try to explain mm -hmm. to them like, who is she? What does she look like? What does she do? Like, you know, like talk a little bit about that. Like if somebody's listening they go, well, I don't really know who my ideal client is, or I love balayages and like, that's it. Yeah. Like, like what, it, what is a little deeper into your ideal client? Well, the first, so this is how I describe it. So have you ever been go, like reading something, whether it's like a website, an email, uh, Instagram caption, and you literally were like, oh my God, this person is talking to me. They are inside my head. Mm -hmm. That is the power of drilling down to your ideal client. So when you think of it in a switched way, and when you think of it, how when it's done well, that makes you feel that is what defining your ideal client will do for your ideal client. So what you want to do is think about the things that are, you know, like there's tons of different, um, there's tons of different downloads out there that you can get to kind of define it. But basically where I start is kind of like, what is the ideal client getting service-wise? Because that will help. Um, do they have kids? Are they a business owner? Are they married? How old are they? What do they do for work? What hours do they keep? What do they do for fun? All of those kinds of things that don't actually relate too much to their hair. Because say your ideal client, when they're off work, they love to travel. Then you're going to work in that you love to travel into your Instagram strategy, right? That's going to be the part of you that you play up in your personal brand. So we're not fabricating anything. We're just kind of thinking, okay, what are the things about me that would connect with the person that I am trying to attract and connect with. And then you want to bring those to the forefront because they're going to feel like once they read it, they're going to be like, Oh, like we have this much in common and they will feel connected to you on a level that is beyond the service you're providing. And that is how you create loyalty um, and how you create kind of an elevated connection with your clients that will you know, it transcends the pricing, it transcends location, like any of those things. Once you really dive into who that person is, and you start talking directly to them, then when they come across your content, they're not just going to scroll past it. They're, 
they're going to be like, oh, like this is talking to me. Um, and it can be about their hair type too. Like for instance, where I live, our winters are super, super harsh, right? So this is just an example. If I were, if I were wanting to write a caption that was say like educational about, a new treatment that I had started offering instead of being like, I am now offering XXX brands, deep conditioning treatment. I would start my caption with something like, is it just me? Or is everyone's hair super fried and parched after this winter? Or like, are you dealing with like, you know, the like worst flyaways of all time, you know, something like that, that people would read that. And they'll be like, I am suffering from the worst flyaways of all time. I better read this. <laughs> well, and saying you know? it in that way too, like saying it in the way that you would say to your client if they were in yeah. front of you. Exactly. Yeah. And that's the thing too, like with branding is the, the goal here is that they come to the salon, right? They're right. going to meet you at that point and they are going to see what you're like. So there is really no point in trying to put on a front because the second that they actually meet you, they're going to be like, oh, that's not what I was expecting. They don't want, you don't like, want them to be disappointed. Exactly. Or surprised. That's the worst case scenario because that is going to diminish the trust that you've built. Right. Yeah. So that's the power of, you know, trying to show up as yourself. Yeah. It's interesting because, you know, you want that relatability and in mm -hmm. a way you kind of want to trigger them at the same time. You know, you mm -hmm. want to kind of think of their pain points and like get them to go, oh shit, like maybe that's, <laughs> maybe, totally. maybe that's me, which is funny. Cause now, you know, every, like, you don't want to trigger anything on Instagram, <laughs> but, um, <laughs> so what, okay, let's talk about Instagram a little bit. So mm -hmm. we've got branding, right? So mm -hmm. everyone is kind of on the gram trying to like build their business. Um, it, whatever business that is, whether it's hair mm -hmm. coaching, whatever, um, but I feel like last year really tweaked the social media game in a way that kind of turned it into a little bit more of a negative space. Mm -hmm. Are you finding it harder for people to want to market when they're having a hard time even mentally showing up on social media? You know, that's we've such all a been question. there. <laughs> I feel like... Yes and no. So um, with the events of the last year, like I know for a lot of us, we just kind of wanted to just shut it all down and just like hibernate a little bit. And that's okay. I did also find there was a lot of people who, um, who really saw this as an opportunity to take control. Like, the illusion of security, I feel in the last year has been kind of ripped away from us almost. So all of these things that we had taken for granted, and we had just thought like, this is the status quo. Almost everyone has had to step away and reevaluate. And what I have noticed um, in the stylist in all of my, like my, I guess, corner of Instagram is people are less, uh, they're less willing to just settle for how things are. Mm. And so they're more willing to put in the work so that they can actually start creating the life that they really want, as opposed to the life that they think they have to settle for. So I noticed an actual reverse in that, like at the beginning, for sure, there was a lot of like difficulty, but I have noticed the hair community leaning on each other a lot more. I have noticed people being more willing to invest in themselves because they have been given a chance to step back and be like, 
you know what, this is like how things were. I don't want to go back to that after having to step away. I don't want to be, you know, working 14 hours behind the chair every day. I want to be able to elevate my brand so that I can charge those premium prices so that I can build a lifestyle and a business that I want and not, you know, they don't have to be mutually exclusive. So I've actually found the opposite feature that people are more open to the idea of putting in that work. That is super true. And I feel like people are getting more, I don't want to use the word aggressive, but you're seeing a lot more like, you know, these are my prices. These are my boundaries. And like, I'm here for that. Like, I feel like the more you're like that in your business, I know for Mm -hmm. me, the more I posted on my website, posted on my Instagram, this is how I do things, period, no Mm -hmm. exceptions. The more those dream clients came in because they were willing to, oh, okay, cool. I like the way she does that, you know, and the people who don't like it, they just don't show up. So I, I do, I agree with that. I think, yeah, I think it is a shift. It's, um, it's interesting. It is. And I think that all again, comes back to branding because like, Mm -hmm. you know, if there's nothing, if so, like, you know, if all things are equal and there's nothing separating all the stylists in the world, then yeah, people might be looking for, um, you know, the least expensive option if everything is equal, right. but it is not right. So, um, one of my favorite books too, it's called the brand gap. And, uh, it is all about, uh, basically how charismatic brands command so much of the market. And I, I'm going to butcher this quote, so I'm not going to try and quote it directly, <laughs> but basically, basically what the concept is, is that charismatic brands. So, and he defines a charismatic brand as a product service or company for which people feel there is no comparison. So there's no replacement. It stands on its own. Right. And he says that they command generally huge market shares. So think about like Coca-Cola for instance, right? Right. They probably command, I don't know what, but over 50% of that category of soft drink, right? If Coca-Cola raised their prices by 50 cents a bottle, for instance, or whatever they raised it, even like 20, 30%, the overarching majority of people who purchased that product would not switch to something else. They probably wouldn't even notice. No, they wouldn't. Right. Right. So that's the thing. So when you have, when you've created a brand, a personal brand that people don't believe there is a substitute for they are happy to pay those prices. Like people are not always looking for the cheapest option. And I think that's something that as hairstylists, because of the way that the industry has been portrayed for years, people think that hairstylists should be broke. And it is just so far from the truth. So I love that people are kind of like taking that. It's almost like the backlash to that, right? Mm -hmm. There's we're hearing about all these six figure stylists and seven figure salon owners. And I think it's incredible. And it comes down to branding. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, normalize the wealthy hairstylist. That's like my jam, you know, (laughs) it's yeah. It's super interesting. Um, I don't know. We're seeing the shift in hair, right? Like we're seeing Mm -hmm. the shift in the industry and um, there's still a lot of people out there that don't believe in what's happening which Mm -hmm. I find very interesting. Mm 
Like, yeah. and it's funny because it depends on where you are. So like, um, when behind the chair makes a post about pricing or something, right? Like you go on Instagram and there's all these like high, like, yeah, like raise your prices, do all this. But when you go on Facebook, I don't know if you noticed this and you read yeah. those comments, it's a completely different story. I would never pay $50 for a haircut. I would never do this. I would never do that. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I guess that comes down to showing up where your people are. Yes. And, and having that ideal client. Yeah. Cause that's another thing you have to factor in is like, if someone is, you know, hits all the spots, but they're like, Oh, I don't, I wouldn't pay those prices. They're not your they're ideal. Not. Client. Yep. Right. Exactly. So, and there, know, there a- needs to be something for everybody, right? Like some, some people yeah. want a $10 haircut and they don't mm-hmm. give a shit if it's not right. Or they don't care yeah. about the blow dry and that's okay too. Absolutely. And you know, there are some, and I'm not knocking either. Like the stylists that are just like, some people get into the, into the hair industry and they just like are totally good working at like, you know, uh, like one of the chain thons, they just want to come to work, do their job. And they don't want to have to put in all the time to, you know, cause I'm not saying that becoming like a six figure stylist is easy. Like all the, all the investing in yourself and all of the, you know, advanced education and not everyone is going to be drawn to that. And that's okay. Like we don't all need to be in the same space. Right. So I just think it's like, if you are going to go, if that's where you want to see, and I work with ambitious stylists who want to hit the next level. So all of my advice and experience comes from working with those types of stylists. Um, but it's not for everyone and it doesn't have to be for everyone. There's nothing wrong. There's always going to be a market for $10 haircuts, like you said. Um, but there's also always going to be a market for $500 haircuts. And that is amazing as well. I always use the analogy, um, of, um, hotels, right? Like mm-hmm. when you think of your ideal client, what hotel are they purchasing? Are they purchasing the cheapest, yeah. the middle or the most expensive? Yes. You know, like me personally, like if I see the cheapest hotel, I absolutely do not want to stay there because no. I'm bed bugs. I just like mm-hmm. my perception of the cheap hotel is not a good perception and I don't want it. So if I see a service that is cheaper than anyone else's, I don't mm-hmm. want that because my perception yeah. is the same. They, you know, they aren't good enough or they don't have, and which isn't always true. It yeah. is just the perception that I personally have when I see those things. So I always tell, like, um, I tell other stylists is, yeah, like what perception do you want to have? Yes. You know, do you want to be the bougie hotel or do you exactly. want to be the middle of the road? Like it's all of them are okay. Yeah. Which one do you want? Well, and that's <laughs> the thing. And that's such a good point too, because, um, when I look at hotels as well, the, I'm way more likely. So I always like you discount the cheaper hotels because I assume all those things. Yep. And then when it gets to like the mid range and high end, then I start comparing amenities. And then I start yes. thinking about branding, you know, like the, I don't think like, Oh, this hotel has good branding, but if I see like a certain, like, I don't know if you guys have a lot of Fairmonts, um, in the U.S. I think there's one in Phoenix. That's the only I was going to say, know. I don't think so. Yeah. Yeah. So we have a hotel chain called the Fairmont, right? And it is like definitely one of our high, high end hotels. And it's so funny because my husband, I'm always like, oh, I want to stay at the Fairmont. My husband's like, why? The rooms aren't even that much nicer than this hotel. And I was like, yeah, but they have that really good, like rose scented bubble bath when you book it. <laughs> and I am so into it. Um, <laughs> so I'll pay more to go book it at this hotel because I like the sheets 
And I love the fact that they have this like amazing high-end product in the bathrooms. Your clients are looking at the same stuff. So make sure you talk about that, right? Like you want to talk about the stuff that's setting you apart. Yeah. And I mean, okay, back hotels, like it depends on where I'm going. Am I going somewhere yeah. where I'm spending a lot of time in the hotel? Cause if that's the case, I want the real bougie one. Am I yes. going somewhere where I'm only sleeping in it? Then okay. The Hilton's fine. And it's totally. kind of the same with your clients. Like for me, I marketed to the hairstylist that wanted to come in three times a year. She would yes. pay a lot of money to come in less. Yes, exactly. And, you know, so it's like, or do you want the client that comes in every six weeks that mm -hmm. wants to pay, you know, a little bit less, but they're constantly in all the time. Like exactly. you have to think about those things when you market or when you're thinking about your ideal client. Absolutely. And one isn't better. Like that's the thing, right? right? Is it's like, you can have either one of those things and, you know, you just have to figure out what, and, and that's the thing about defining your values in your business, right? Like, and your, you know, your ideal client and all those things, because that's how you're going to decide. Like for some stylists, the idea of marketing to, you know, that high end, client that wants to come in a couple times a year that's going to pay a ton is stressful because then they're like, well, I have to find so many clients. Like I'd rather have people that come in every six weeks and right. that's okay. But that's the importance of defining it, right? Because then you can be really intentional with what you're putting out there and you don't have to worry as much about, you know, good luck, I guess. Exactly. Yeah. That's why I never did um, extensions. Like, cause to me, that was a more high maintenance client that I didn't mm -hmm. want, you know? So mm -hmm. it's, it's yeah. interesting. So, totally. okay. Let's talk about this because <laughs> I think I'm horrible with Instagram. Like, like I don't do, I don't batch. Like I don't, I, I emotionally post. I feel like I use Instagram as a journal. A lot of times I get, I don't care about my follower count. Like mm -hmm. I'm kind of the worst, um, but, but I connect with people and I enjoy yeah. connect. I genuine, like I am on Instagram to make friends. Like that is why I'm there period. Um, but like, there's a lot of pressure to do a lot of things different, right? Like, mm -hmm. and, and some of it, I know I need to do and some of it. I just don't want to do like, um, I know that I need to batch. I know that mm -hmm. like, it would make my life easier. I just don't do it. Um, <laughs> working on it, but, but you know, also there's like reels, right? Reels stress mm -hmm. me out. Like, I know I need to do them. I don't fucking want to do them. Mm -hmm. What do you say to me? Like, what do you, cause I'm not the only one out there. Like, well, like <laughs> so I think the first place you want to start with is like, what are your goals? If your goal is literally like right now, my goal, the reason I'm on Instagram is just to connect with other people in the industry and make friends. Then your strategy is working out just fine if it's working. Right. right. And then say you were like, okay, now my strategy is to like enroll. So this is when a lot of people come to me is when they're kind of like switching and they're like, what I've been doing has worked up until now, but now I want to do it differently. Like, it's not really like, say your focus switched to, you were launching a course, for instance, and you wanted to start enrolling people in your course. And you wanted to start growing your audience more with people that would purchase that course, for instance, or say you're a stylist and you were like, I want to start like what I've been doing has been working great, but now, now I really want to start like attracting people that could sit in my chair. Right? right. So then I would say, okay, so is the strategy that you're using now working for the, that goal? And if the answer is no, 
like, and I'm one, I'll just preface this by saying, I'm not someone who said there's one right way to do something. I there I'm well aware if anyone tells you that, like, I don't trust it generally because there's always more than one answer. Yeah, Um, I agree. So, but like, I, I always think like, okay, what is my goal and how am I going to get to that? And the whole reason I started Instagram educating is because people and stylists and my peers at the time would always say like, I'm so overwhelmed with Instagram and that is where batching comes in. So if you like creating content on the fly, you're able to stay consistent with creating content on the fly. Then who are we to say, no, you can't do that. Right? Like that's not, I don't think that's accurate. Honestly, if you are stressing out because you are not, you know, able to create consistently, if your content is all over the place and not converting the goals that you have, then that's where the argument for like batching and planning would come in. Right. Right. So for me, I get stressed out if I don't have stuff planned because I like my goals with Instagram are to constantly be serving my audience. Like I want to make sure that I'm putting out quality content that is teaching people something and, you know, connecting with people a little bit too. So for me, having it planned out in advance works for me and it doesn't stress me out. If I found batching more stressful than posting on the fly, I wouldn't do it. So it's all about your personality and like what you're trying to achieve. Um, The ultimate goal, essentially. Like what is the ultimate goal? Yeah, exactly. And like, you know, for a lot of my, the people that I work with. um, So I work with predominantly hairstylists. I also work with a lot of beauty industry coaches um, or, you know, course creators, any of those kinds of things who are serving hairstylists. So generally there is a goal and that is like to connect with people, right? But in a really strategic way. So that is where batching and strategizing comes in. Mm -hmm. Um, And it basically just ensures that every time someone lands on your page, they're getting all the relevant info. That's like the main goal, right? Right. Yeah. So, so yeah. So, I mean, if it's, that's kind of what I would say, like if it's working for you and you're, and you're getting the results that you want, then that's perfect. Um, as far as reels, (laughs) I have such mixed feelings on reels because, um, I did an experiment not too long ago where I posted, actually, I guess it was six months ago. Now I posted all the content I would normally post, but I posted it in reels format. Okay. And it tanked my engagement really? like by like 85%. Yeah. And I was very surprised. So what does that tell me? My audience doesn't care about reels. <laughs> yeah, so- it's, it's interesting. <laughs> so I, I love scrolling reels, like, but I like the yeah. funny, like, I love it, but, but I don't enjoy making them every once in a while I get an idea and I'll make one and it's fine. But when I post them, I, there was one post that I got, I'm not even joking. Like, 40 bot likes within like the first hour. Really? Like, and in my mind, I was about to delete it. Cause I'm like, I'm one of those people, like, I don't give a shit if I get 200 likes, which I very rarely do. Um, I, I don't even know if I have one with 200 likes actually. Um, but if they're not people that are meant to be there, like, I don't even, I don't want the like, like I, if somebody yeah, starts following sure. me that I'm like, you are not a hairstylist. You are mm-hmm. not like a young woman. Like, like I block them. Like, mm-hmm. cause I just don't, I don't care about the numbers that much. So when yeah. I saw that, I'm like, what the fuck is this? Like, I don't want yeah. this. Like <laughs> I kept it. Yeah. And eventually hairstylist, I think because I was getting all those random likes 
more hairstylists were seeing it. So I think mm-hmm. it did good, but I don't know. And then I get a post some reel and there's nothing. It's like crickets. Yeah. It's, I don't notice like, and I, so I like manage, um, a few Instagram accounts as well. I have an agency side to my business. Mm -hmm. And so I see the inner workings of a lot of different Instagram accounts. And, you know, I don't like some people think like, Oh, reels are the solution. Like people are always looking for the solution. Right. So if you just like throw the baby out with the bathwater and just like completely scrap your whole Instagram strategy, start making reels very rarely will that work. They can definitely be part of it, but creating a certain kind of content, right? So like, whether it be a real, an IGTV, whatever it is, is not, it's not a substitute for creating the kind of content that your audience wants to see. So you making a reel that isn't relevant to your ideal client and your audience is not going to do any better than anything else that you posted that isn't relevant to them. Right. So I think the harm in people saying like, Oh, everyone has to create reels now, which I, I see a lot of people. I even saw someone saying the other day, like, Oh, the um, feed post is dead. Which is not true. I read everyone's. (laughs) It's absolute garbage. Yeah. It's just so far from true. Like, it's just like bullshit. So like, you know, like there's no real, there's no like one size fits all strategy. Some people get amazing growth with reels. Some Mm -hmm. people, their, their content isn't suited to the format of reels. So it's all about knowing your audience, testing and changing, um, reels are great. Like I like watching them sometimes. Um, I make them very occasionally, but you know, I've been able to grow a really profitable business and, you know, grow really great connections and get really great opportunities. And I don't focus a ton on reels. Like I teach them because, you know, people, some people really enjoy making them. Um, but if you're someone who's like, I hate reels, then don't make reels. It's yeah. okay. <laughs> some people are super good at it. Like some people, like are. I follow some people and I, I love their reels. Like I look forward totally. to seeing them, you know? So then you question like, okay, is my content good enough? Like when I do make a reel, okay, maybe this doesn't, didn't resonate with people, but instead of like just trashing it, I just learned from it and okay, totally. let's pivot. Um, I have a question that, for you. Oh, yeah, go, ahead. Go, go ahead on the reels oh. first. Okay. So, you know, this is the other thing, like with reels, it's kind of tricky because we can't really access analytics other than the views and all that kind of stuff. So it's very frustrating. It is super frustrating. I'm hoping they fix it. But like, so if you have like a reel that, you know, does really, really well, be like, okay, what is it about this reel that did really well? And then, um, the same with analytics, like, this is why I am a big, you know, I, I believe in having a strategy because I think it just makes it more effective to spend the time that you spend. Um, so, and the reason for that is that then you can t- see what's working. You can see what's resonating. You can go back and look at the data and then, you know, kind of double down on that. Right. And so, yeah. So what was your question? Sorry. So I have a question for you. Yeah. What will you do if Instagram disappeared tomorrow? Oh my goodness. Well, <laughs> that's a good question. <laughs> you know, luckily the longer that I'm kind of doing this, like I definitely have more of a general marketing interest. Like I do teach, especially in my one-to-one coaching. So, um, most of my 
programs are fairly Instagram centric, but branding can be applied to anything. So branding can be applied on your website. Branding. I talk a lot about email marketing too. Um, and then I guess if Instagram disappeared tomorrow, I would just have to like double down on business coaching and I would just pivot my marketing course to something else. Cause that's I think, what I do. I think about that all the time because, you know, you see people like, um, talking about Instagram and stuff like that, spe- yeah. Instagram specific courses and yeah. things like that. And I always think like, it's crazy that this free app is now a whole market, like, totally. you know, and like, what if it just disappears? It's kind of scary. If you're listening, get your clients email addresses. Seriously. Totally. Like, it's very important. And even with my coaching, it's like, I need your email address. Like, cause if this mm-hmm. goes out tomorrow, like, you know, I need, I want to be able to still get a hold of you. Like, cause it, it's just kind of a scary thought. People put a lot of, well, everything in their Instagram, you know? Absolutely. And I definitely coach too. Like, I think that beauty pros need websites. Like I'll never say run your whole business from your Instagram. I will teach you how to optimize your Instagram, but generally that also involves like getting people off of the platform onto an email list, um, and making sure that you have a website that reflects all the same stuff. So like, you know, as far as like, and I say this with branding all the time, like it's just an extension, right? It's Instagram isn't your brand. It's a place that you can, you know, build awareness of your brand. So you need to have that cohesiveness filtering through your website to your emails, like all of these things. Um, and like, I teach a lot of like repurposing too. So like, if you, you know, people are like, Oh, more content to create. No, you don't need to create more content. Take your favorite posts that you've done this month and send it out as a newsletter. You know, like it doesn't have to be more work. You just have to be intentional about it. Yeah. That's what I've been doing, um, with my emails. Um, because it's like, okay, I'll just elaborate on this post. Right. Yes. And just change it up a little bit. Um, and even going back like lately, like I think it was a week ago, I go through weeks where I'm just not in the mood. Like I don't have anything in my head. I don't know what to say. I'm tired. And I'll go back a year and I'll find a post that did well and I'll repost it with a different picture. Yes. Oh my goodness. I love this. Repurposing is one of my like hot tips for sure. That's such a great thing to do because, you know, people get worried about it, but I always like give this reference. So, you know, your favorite show, Mm -hmm. like when you see it on TV again, or when you're like, I watch my favorite shows like over and over again. And I'm not like, Oh, this is so annoying. I've already seen this episode. You know what I mean? It's like, so if you have a post that did really well, chances are your audience, it's because they enjoyed it, right? So if you post exactly. it again, they're going to enjoy it again. Yep. Yep. And there's easy ways to like switch up a couple sentences and make it relevant, like, 100%. you know, um, change the picture, whatever, but I'll find that I'll redo it. And the same people who commented on it before commented on it again, like they never heard it. Totally. <laughs> <laughs> I think so I, this is okay. Getting like on kind of an emotional aspect of Instagram. I think that. Mm-hmm. Again, we as humans are kind of narcissistic, narcissistic people. We think that everyone is like thinking about us all the time and like, and when it comes to Instagram, like we just think that like talking about repeating yourself over and Mm -hmm. over again, like your mission, your, you know, um, if you're taking new clients, whatever, talking about repurposing stuff, people are not sitting around going, oh my God, Missy posted that last year. Like people don't (laughs) pay that much attention to you. Like, you know what I mean? Like kind of keep showing up for that reason, because they're just kind of like, you're just like another 
thing that they looked at for two seconds, you know, on their feed. And you've got to stand out in a way that they remember you because they, they don't remember you like you think they remember you. Exactly. And like, (laughs) just think of the sheer amount of content the average person consumes, right? Like, you know, and even if they like scrolled past and liked a photo or whatever, like, do they even like really know it's you? Like, or do they even read it? Exactly. And that's why you want to be consistent, right? Because if you are consistently messaging, then people start to recognize your content and people start to like form that connection. But, you know, it takes longer and longer now because there is so much, like, I think they say the average person follows like 550 accounts or something like that. So that's a lot of accounts. Like you're not going to remember the content of all of those people. Right. So don't be afraid to repurpose. Repurposing is amazing. I'm all for working smarter, not harder. Yeah. Same. I have a question too. I have all these questions. Yeah. So I was with my sister-in-law yesterday and she was like, I haven't seen any of your posts in a long time. Mm -hmm. I was like, I post, you know, at least every other day, you know, Mm -hmm. and, and she went through and she hadn't seen one of my posts since, oh, I forget the lot. Cause she's one that will always like it. Like, you know what I mean? She's yeah. like a big supporter. And, um, why the hell does that happen? So, okay. Instagram has like six things that this is all like algorithm stuff, right? So right. basically what the algorithms purpose is, is to make sure that people have the most enjoyable con- like experience on Instagram, see the most relevant content. So they stay on the app longer and they're more likely to see ads. Instagram is a for-profit business. So that's what it's all about. And so their algorithm is designed to give you the best experience. So what it factors in is like relationship. So if you, so like, if you go to her page, like, and the liking and stuff is like mutual or the engagement is mutual, Mm. that will bring it up there. Um, The other thing is like, they even say like searching DMs, like any of those kinds of things, it's relationship is one of the factors. Um, recency is another factor, but it's not the highest anymore. So that's like when you posted basically. Um, the other thing is how often that person goes on Instagram. So if they go on Instagram, you know, all day, every day, you can even run out of content to see, right? If they're only going on once a week, they're not going to see every single post that you made. They're just going to see kind of like the top of stuff. Um, it could be that she's interacting with other kinds of content a lot, of, a lot more. So Instagram's like, oh, she wants to see, you know, this type of content more. It, there's so many different things. The one thing that they can't do, obviously though, is stop people from going to your profile. Right. So like if you, there's people that I go and I check on their content, right? right. Cause I'm like, Oh, I wonder, like there's this girl, um, in Australia, she's a hairstylist and she posts the most hilarious memes. And if I don't see her stuff for a while, I literally will go to her page and I'll just like check it all out. Cause it's so funny. Right. Um, and then when you do that a couple of times, then it starts showing up again. So there's a ton of different reasons. Um, and then like, Basically, if people, if your audience, it'll show it to an audience of your, or a subsect of your audience that's most likely to engage with it. If they do engage with it, it'll push it out to more people and so on and so forth. Um, so that's basically how the algorithm works and why some people will see your stuff more. The relationship thing is really interesting. 
It because, is. And that's for people listening as well. That's why it's important to what comment back to people, go yeah. and like their stuff. Like it's true. Like my sister-in-law, I very, because it's my business kind of very rarely see her stuff. If she ever yeah. posts anything, I very rarely interact with her side, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. That's really interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah. And the people I DM with and stuff I see all the time. Totally. And then there's also like types of content too, right? So like if people, if, if someone in your audience like watches like mostly reels, like they spend most of their time on Instagram watching reels and you're not posting reels, there's going to be a little bit less time that they'll see it. Right. So there's all sorts of different factors, um, when it comes to who's going to see your stuff, but generally this is what I found. If you're posting high quality content, you're being consistent and you're engaging with your audience, then things will, more of your audience will see your content. Yeah. That makes sense. So Mm -hmm. interesting. It's such like a game, right? Totally. Like, (laughs) and that's constantly changing. It's like every time you get comfortable with something, it's like they like switch it up somehow. (laughs) Yeah. Damn Instagram. (laughs) Um, So talk to me about your podcast a little bit. So I love my podcast. It's so much fun. So I started it because I, when I first kind of switched into the coaching world and like the education world, I was so excited by how much like uplifting content there was and how many really inspiring stylists there were. And I just thought it would be so cool if I got to talk to them. And my parents have said, since I was like, basically you know, two years old, that it's a miracle that I don't get paid to talk. So when I started (laughs) my podcast, they're like, thank God. That's so funny. (laughs) Yeah. And so, um, so yeah, I interview like hairstylists that have done really cool things in the industry. I also like any questions that I get asked a lot, I make some solo episodes to, you know, just kind of like answer questions. I teach a lot about branding and marketing. Um, and yeah, I've just had some really, really cool guests and the conversations are really like fun and there's so much like education packed in there. So it's really, really fun for me because I get to connect. Like, you know how you said like Instagram, you use that to make friends. Yeah. I use Instagram for that as well, but I also use my podcast to make friends. And I think it's so cool how, you know, I can reach out to people that are making big waves in our industry and give them a platform to kind of tell their story and teach about the things that they're passionate about. So, um, it's called hairstylist rising because I wanted to, it's basically meant to uplift and talk a lot about mindset and all of the things. So yeah, I really love it. It's been such a labor of love and, um, my listeners, like I've, had so many people reach out to me and just be like, you know what? Like your podcast is so great. I love listening to it. I learned this. I had one girl tell me that she moved and she hasn't even bought, like she hasn't taken any of my programs. She hasn't done anything. And she's like, I listened to your podcast religiously. And I built my, I rebuilt my clientele in a brand new town in like two months. Yes. So awesome. Yeah. And some people are like, oh, isn't, doesn't that bother you that like people are using the free info? And to me, that's best case scenario. If, if something happens and I don't get paid a cent and I uplift someone else, I am so happy. So yeah, that's kind of why my, why my podcast started and, um, yeah, why I love it. Do you re-listen to your podcast after you record them? No, I can't do it. (laughs) 
I will get messages like when you said this or when this person, I was like, I don't know what I said. Like I have no idea what I said. Like I have like actually a secret project coming up that will require me to do that. So I'm not really looking forward to it, but I also create transcripts. So that's generally how I, uh, how I look at stuff. So I don't have to listen to myself. What do you mean you create transcripts? I use an edit, like a, it's a program called Descript and it transcribes your podcast. So yeah, it's pretty cool. Do you use that to help with content and stuff? Um, I say I'm going to, <laughs> it's in the Asana, it's in the Asana board. It's right. To do list. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's a good idea. Cause then you don't have to hear your voice. Cause that's my problem. But totally, I ever, and I wonder if you feel the same. Do you ever worry that like, you're going to say something like that? Like not, it's not like we talk like controversial stuff, but like that you're going to wish you didn't say later or like maybe won't be relevant later or something like that. Like, do you ever think about stuff like that? Totally. Yeah. yeah, I do. And especially in the online space too, because there's so many, like, you know, I'm not the only one who teaches on Instagram and branding and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, at first I was really concerned that, um, I, I guess I was like worried to take a stand on things because I was like, Ooh, what if someone disagrees with me? And now I'm like, cool. If someone disagrees with me, that's awesome. That's not my ideal client. Like, and how great is it that people have a choice of who they want to work with them, who they want to coach them. And you know what, if I say something that doesn't resonate with someone then, and some other coach says something that does resonate with them, that's probably a better fit. So I just try not to worry about it. Now I talk so much all the time. It would be impossible for me not to ever say anything wrong. Yeah. <laughs> and um, yeah, I just try to not beat myself up too much about it. Yeah. I don't think about it too much either. There's a couple topics I haven't touched on yet that I want to, that aren't necessarily mm-hmm. hair related that, um, but I go back and forth. Cause I'm like, do I want to go there? You know, yeah. like, do, do I want to, um, I don't know if ruffle feathers is the word, but like, do I mm-hmm. want to do that? Cause it would not necessarily be about hair or, you know, like, so it's an interesting when you're, when you're putting yourself out there where people can get to you and get to your ideas and you're talking in your mind. Um, it's an interesting feeling because it's not, it's not just, you know, going on stories and saying something that disappears in 24 hours, you know, it's, that's so true. And it's like, I guess it's like whether or not you want to open the conversation, right? Cause that's the thing. Whenever you say anything, then that's opening up the conversation, which is awesome a lot of the time. But, you know, I think there's always, whenever you put yourself out there in like any sort of public forum, there's always the risk and it can be a little scary for sure. Yeah. You just have to decide what risk you want to take. (laughs) Exactly. What I always say, like, am I willing to die on this hill? Yeah. Okay, cool. Let's say it. (laughs) Right. Right. Exactly. Well, especially in the, well, not even online and podcasting, like there before, when you would like say something, it would be like in your own little environment, right? Like Mm -hmm. you kind of knew what cultures were around you. Like, you know, even like growing up in the same city, whatever, where now Mm -hmm. it's like, you're talking about anything with people who are just so far away that like, like one of my good friends, Haley, the resilient hairdresser, she's in the UK. Oh yeah. I've seen her on Instagram. Yeah. She's great. Um, but it's funny because I'll, we'll do zoom talks and stuff together. And, and like, 
it's just like a different, like she's like over here, like we pay so much more for education. We pay so much more for our hair than like they do it. Yeah. Like, it's just, it, it's so much broader of a, um, of an audience now when you put yourself out there, you know? Oh, so, it's so true. Yeah. And, and it's, yeah. there's so many more opinions and like, it's just crazy, but it's kind of well, fun. <laughs> and it's funny too, like I'm originally, so I was born in the UK. Um, oh. My whole family is from there and like my mom's a stylist. So it's so funny. Cause like even some of the stuff, like she'll listen, she doesn't listen all the time. I don't think, but she'll listen to some of my podcast episodes and be like, do you really think that? I'm like, yeah, I do really think that. And she's like, uh, I don't know. So like we disagree on stuff, but I'm like, guess what, mom, you're not my ideal client. So like, yeah, <laughs> that's okay. Yep. And it comes down with so. being confident in, I'm going to, I'm just going to say your product, you know, not the, the podcast. Well, I guess, I don't know if it's considered a product, but you know what I mean? Like being confident in yourself and like what you're putting out there at the end of the day. Totally. And I think too, that like, you know, it, I think where I was really a lot more nervous at the beginning than I am now. And I think a lot of it is like, you know, I always told myself like, to get through the fear of launching and get through the fear of, you know, putting myself out there and doing something new. If I can help other stylists, like even a handful of other stylists, then that will be worth it. Because there's been things that I've gone through in my career where, you know, I wanted to quit the industry. Like I was so over it. I've worked for people who treated me horribly. Like, you know, there's been so many different things over my like 15 year career that I wanted to be able to like touch on and like save other people from going through that. So once I started getting, you know, the feedback and the messages that like, this is actually helping people. I think that some of the fear went away from me at that point, because I'm like, yeah, okay, maybe I'll piss a couple people off. Maybe, you know, I'll say things that they don't agree with. And that's fine. It really is fine. You just have to be okay with it. (laughs) Exactly. They're just not your people. I mean, and if a stylist is listening, like that could go for price raises, schedule changes, all that too. It's kind of the same, you know, the same thing. If it doesn't work for them, then they're not your client. And that's okay. And relationships don't have to last forever either, right? Like I think sometimes we get so scared because, you know, especially when, like when we're in hair school, what's the number one thing that they always say you have to build a clientele, build a clientele. And then we get into our careers and we've built a clientele and then we almost see it as like a set of shackles, I think sometimes. So we get so scared to make these changes because like, Ooh, what if I lose clients or what if I do this? And it's been put on such a pedestal. And yes, you need clients to have a business and make money. And I'm not discounting that, but like, you know, most of the time when I work with people and they make changes, they're like, Oh, I didn't get as much pushback as I expected. And I think like clientele is built up on such a pedestal that we think if we do like one thing differently, they're all just going to like bounce. and We're not going to have any business anymore. Right. So, um, I think that's the thing is like, sometimes you are going to lose people. Sometimes people are not going to be for you and that's okay because there's always going to be more people that resonate with what you do and what you say. Right. Well, it's the mental thing. I mean, our minds lie to us. So you have to find the truth. So true. I don't know how many times I was going to do a price raise or shit, walking away from the chair. You know, Mm -hmm. that was like, my mind went all over. Oh my God. Somebody's going to yell at me. Somebody's going to be so upset, blah, blah. None of that happened. Yeah. No. Half of my clients were like, I knew that was coming. Like, <laughs> you know, and it's like, oh, well, why, why do I lie to myself? I, yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. It's crazy. Um, 
Jody, what would you like to leave the people with today? Oh my goodness. Oh, that's so open-ended. Let me think here. That's the fun <laughs> part. And you can say whatever. You can go any which direction you like. <laughs> okay. I'm just going to give like a, here's like the advice that I wish that I had had when I started my career. And that is that you can literally create anything you want out of this industry. There are so many opportunities. There are so many directions you can go. And so, you know, just because even if you just got into the industry five years ago, or you've been a hairdresser for 20 years and you've always done it one way, you can literally do anything you want, whether you want to be independent, whether you want to own a salon, no matter what you want to do, if you want to stop doing hair and create an online business, like just surround yourself with people who will support you because you will never find a shortage of people who tell you that your dream is too big. So that is my number one piece of advice. Like don't put limits on yourself. Don't limit yourself with other people's comfort zones and find people who will believe in you and push you to do the things that are like outside of your comfort zone. A fucking men. <laughs> they are out there. They totally. Totally on Instagram. Yes, exactly. You can find them, DM them. (laughs) Jody, thank you so, so much. Thank you for having me. This was so much fun. You are very welcome. Oh, and where can people find you? Obviously on Instagram, but name all the places. Okay. Instagram at it's Jody Brown, um, is where you can find me. Send me a DM. Cause I love to chat as you can probably tell from this podcast episode. Um, and then also check out my podcast hairstylist rising. It is on iTunes, Spotify, basically anywhere. Um, you listen to podcasts. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you. <laughs> Bye. Ah, such a good conversation. Once again, thank you so much for listening to Backroom Beauty Talks. If you liked what you heard, please screenshot it, share it on the gram, um, share this podcast with a friend. Don't forget to tag me. Don't forget to tag It's Jody Brown on Instagram. Leaving a review gives you extra brownie points. And this is not goodbye. This is not the end of Backroom Beauty Talks. This is just the end of season two. So trust me when I say I'm going to come back bigger, better, a lot more info for you, a lot more uh, things I need to say, and probably a lot more F-bombs. So you probably don't want to listen to this in the car with your kids. See you on the next one.